Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. The fans have won already. What a spectacular week of competition we have seen. On this episode, it's Cruz Pedragon and Tyler Crossno. And there is not a happier human being on planet Earth than the woman in that pro stock car. A grizzled veteran and a rising star in the world of drag racing. Goodbye, Snake, and hello, Ace. This is the NHRA Insider. And the wildest day in the history of this category is finally complete. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NHRA Insider. I am Brian Loans, and we are back with more NHRA drag racing action and some conversations with two unique guys in the sport. Cruz Pedregon, of course, we all know Cruz. He's a multi-time champion in the Nitro Funny Car ranks. My right-hand man, Tony's brother, and someone who has been a Nitro Funny Car racer for decades. Going to talk to him about how he's been handling this downtime, what he looks forward to once we get 2020 going, and just kind of the state of funny car racing through the eyes of Cruz Pedregon. Our second guest is going to be Tyler Crosno, and this is a guy who's in his 20s and has accomplished more already in the sport of drag racing than most people do in a lifetime he's operated multiple racetracks he is now the uh, manager general manager if you will at virginia motorsports park he is the series director for the pdra which begins their series this weekend so we're going to talk to him about both of those jobs his history in the sport and his responsibilities kind of therein he has unique perspective on this entire program that we've been stuck in the last several months because he sees it from a track operator side and he sees it from a series director side which is something that uh, very few people in drag racing have the opportunity to do so it has certainly not been an easy time for anybody but tyler has uh tyler has been carrying perhaps double the weight of many people on his shoulders trying to make the right decisions for not only his racetrack but also for the pdra racing series so really interested to talk to him tyler's a great guy a good friend of mine and somebody who i think you're going to very much enjoy getting to know a little bit better Good news around drag racing is that the sport is starting to uh, kind of throw the throw the chains off here. It is absolutely becoming a busier situation at the drag racing landscape these days, and that can't be anything but good news for uh, for everybody who loves the sport. Down in Texas last weekend at the Texas Motorplex, the Lone Star Nats were held, initially an event that was restricted to no spectators. Texas Governor Greg Abbott uh, on Saturday actually allowed the track to have uh, an increased spectator count kind of a a day late and a dollar short in terms of being able to promote it but good news in the fact that um, again you know the the reins are being loosened up on a lot of stuff around the country not everywhere of course but in a lot of different places uh, people are able to attend events now even in limited numbers and congratulations to Sean Bellamure and Megan Meyer who were the winners down there at the Lone Star Nats and who did earn championship points in the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series. So they both really helped their cause in terms of trying to repeat as national champions by picking up their victories in the Top Alcohol Funny Car and Top Alcohol Dragster categories, respectively. Now, at the Lone Star Nats, those are the only two Lucas Oil categories that we're gathering points down there. Uh, Once we get to the next, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after is when we're going to start seeing a slew of divisional events around the country, whether we're talking about Division One, Two, Three, you name it, uh, people are going to start racing in earnest in early June. Racetracks around the country again beginning to open up. Some just for private testing, others for actual events. As the Lone Star Nats were going on in Texas, there was a drag radial event going on in Huntsville, Alabama, and there was an invitational drag uh, radial event that I was at in Orlando, Florida. Donald Long put that on, same guy that puts on the Lights Out and No Mercy and Sweet 16 races. This was an invite program. He invited 12 of the best 
Pro 275 cars and 12 of the best Radioverse the World cars. And we qualified eight of them and had an eliminator on Saturday night. Had a few hundred fans there, as uh, was allowed by the you know local ordinance or whatnot. But fantastic racing. Uh, everybody very appreciative to have the experience of being at a racetrack and actually getting out there, burning some rubber and, and making some horsepower. We set some records at that event, and it was, uh, generally speaking, for myself and I think everybody else involved, a really good thing. Everybody just kind of felt back to some part of normal. Not all the way there, of course, but for a fr- <clears throat> Friday and Saturday night in Florida, uh, all of us you know, had our heads back in the game as far as drag racing went, and that was really good. You're going to see more of that stuff happening over the next few weeks as well. Uh, racetracks like New England Dragway, Lebanon Valley Dragway, the aforementioned Virginia Motorsports Park. They're running limited testing schedules as the local regulations have allowed. I would encourage everybody listening to call your local NHRA drag strip or email them in any way, shape, or fashion to find out, one, kind of what their program is, what they have going on as far as on-track action, two, Contact them and find out how you can help. Can you show up on a Wednesday night and watch them test and tune action, buy a hot dog, and, and just chill out? Is that is that the best thing you can do? Or can you go race? Or can you go at a test session? These are all things that are going to help these tracks uh, get back on their feet. And they have lost, in some cases, many months of revenue. And um, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that you know operating a racetrack is not exactly something that's going to have you you know backstroking through a uh, a pool of gold doubloons. You know these tracks run on pretty tight margins, and when you shut one down for months on end, you definitely you definitely cause it distress. So. Support your local NHRA drag strip. Support your local drag strip, period. Um, but pick up the phone and call and see how you can do that. Whether it's hanging out for a Friday night, whether it's racing your car, whether it's, who knows, going there, buying some food. Whatever you can do to help, I encourage you to do that. The National Day of Nitro is coming this weekend, May 30th. I'm going to be a part of that. It'll be myself, Mike English, Lewis Bloom, Donnie Couch, um, Steve Gibbs, among others. We're all going to be kind of chiming in. Um, over the course of this this great day that's been organized by Blake Bowser and the folks up at Auto Club Raceway from Oso, California, along with Kevin Stiff. And what the National Day of Nitro is is very simple. It is going to be a coast-to-coast celebration of drag racing. Um, you know, we may not be able to get a lot of these cars we're going to see run to a drag strip because of the rules as they've been imposed on us recently, but that doesn't stop anybody from firing, firing them up, and that's exactly what this is going to be. There's a huge list. We have a huge list of cars and boats. We're ranging from top fuel hydroplanes to fuel altereds to classic machines to modern funny cars to you know NHRA full-on Mellow Yellow Series cars, injected engines, blown engines, and it's going to be great. So you're going to have kind of a live PD of nitromethane. That's what we've been calling it on our on our planning calls here. Meaning that whether it's me, Lewis, Mike English, um, whatever announcer has, happens to be on at that moment, we're going to have a little you know bug in our ear, and they're going to say, "Okay, we're going to Wichita, Kansas, and it's this team." And then we'll pick up that feed and show you that car idling and cackling away and running. And then maybe we go to the West Coast, or we go down south, or we go to the Northeast. That's what this is going to be. It's going to be a a drag racing, nitro-burning version of Live PD. And you can go to nationaldayofnitro.com to watch. It's going to be on Saturday, May 30th. And it will be, you know, kind of an all-day affair. We're taking shifts on this thing in terms of the, you know, announcing group. 
And I encourage you to hang out and check it out because it's a great thing. It's going to be a fun morale booster for uh, for those places that can't get back on the racetrack yet. And the National Day of Nitro, it is going to be a whole lot of fun. One of the guys participating will be our first guest, Cruz Pedregon, and we'll get to talking to Cruz here in just a moment. Some other big things going on in the sport of drag racing. I think the finalization, if you will, of a national event schedule for NHRA is, is coming soon. Um, expecting to hear that, at least news regarding the restart of NHRA drag racing this week or next week. That's just been the buzz around the the uh, imaginary halls of the world of NHRA drag racing. So please keep yourself tuned in as best you can to NHRA's Facebook, NHRA's uh YouTube page, NHRA.com, whatever whatever begins with NHRA and ends with another thing, pay attention to that because that's where a lot of the news is going to be happening and dropping, including here on the Insider Podcast. So we all want to get back to it as soon as possible. We are seeing signs around the country of being able to do that, and I know that um, NHRA management has been working incredibly hard to formulate a schedule that makes the most sense, that involves the most racing, that gets us in front of the most fans and gets us the best results we can possibly drag out of the 2020 season. NASCAR guys have been doing a good job and watching a little bit of that stuff. Uh, Of course, they're running just an insane schedule racing at Darlington and Charlotte over the last couple of weeks, multiple races per week, Um, doing stuff with pretty much every series every night, whether you like the trucks or the Xfinity series or the Big Cup series. um, you've, You've not been at a loss for stock car racing on television. Props to NASCAR for getting back out there and really kind of kicking the door down. I mean, it, it did take someone to do what they did to really move the move the needle ahead as far as what the rest of us want to do. They are the undisputed 800-pound gorilla of American motorsports, and at times that is a good position to be in. So thank you to NASCAR for the way they've gotten their uh, their series off the blocks. It, it does a lot to pave the way for the rest of us, and uh, if you don't think so, then you're completely wrong. From from all the sides of, of this particular situation that I'm fortunate to see, I can tell you that the impact of NASCAR getting on the racetrack and, the, and NASCAR actually producing races and doing it in the manner they have has exponentially helped the likes of NHRA, has helped IndyCar, has helped anybody in any series across the country trying to go racing again. So that's it for my weekly monologue rant. I think we should get to it with our first guest. He is the driver of the Snap-on Tools Hellcat SRT Dodge Charger Funny Car. He is a multiple-time world champion, and he is one of the grizzled veterans in the Nitro Funny Car category. Let's welcome Cruz Pedregon, our first guest on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. How you doing, Cruz? Great, Brian. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's uh, just got back in town. I was in California for a week, and nice and nice and warm here, which is what we what we want. You know, I wanted to catch up with you because uh, for a couple different reasons. But the first one is this weekend you're going to participate in this event uh, that is being called the National Day of Nitro, which I think is a really cool deal. And are you going to be firing up? And I guess to explain it to people, what it is is there's going to be teams across the country of all different types of nitro burning race cars firing their stuff up. So which one of your nitro burning toys will you be lighting off this weekend? Yeah, actually, we're excited to be a part of it. My good friend Blake Bowser, who, uh, as you know, runs the runs the uh, Bakersfield uh, track out of, up at Famoso, and he called me and asked me to be a part of this. And I said, "Sure." And I thought for a minute, we have both cars ready to go: the Charger, the California Charger nostalgia car, and my Snap on my you know my Big Show car. So I thought, you know, it'd be cool to do the nostalgia car because it's uh, it's 
it's Blake, it's his group that's kind of more nostalgic yeah. kind of racing that, that he does. So I thought, you know, I'd be more, uh, be uh, maybe a little less work. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to fire up the, the car, be a part of that deal Nice on Saturday. It sounds like there's a lot of cars. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be a unique thing. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it, and especially because it goes coast to coast. I mean, there are guys from, you know, on the East Coast and all the way back across the country. So it's definitely going to be like um, – it's definitely going to be a unique event. I think something that people will uh, latch on to, and especially now because we're all just waiting to get something going on, man. You know, we're all just waiting to get something going on around here. Right. We we fired it the other day, and we sent a video. Uh, we sent a video out, and Blake called me and goes, "Hey, man, uh, am I supposed to use that video because this just got posted on NHRA.com? <laughs> I go, I go. Well, actually, no, that's not the video. We just we just fired it up for the first time in a few years. Somebody said five years, and I'm I'm thinking, man, it's. I can't believe it's been half a decade since we started the charger. That's wow. That's cri- that's criminal. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we, uh, so anyway, we, uh, we made some improvements and, and, uh, actually having Eric, uh, Eric Lane and, and, you know, the new, the kind of my new revamp crew, it's, these guys are all excited about it. I've never had a team collectively that have showed the interest, uh, to the, to have them be a part of that. So they, they went through it front to back. We changed the compression a little bit and made some, modifications to you know to make it better and so uh so yeah when they fired it up uh, yeah i got that call from blake I, no no blake we're gonna do we're gonna do a standalone startup on saturday so it's nice. not good well you and i and tony and a bunch of other people and that car of course have the shared experience that's one of the cars that made the i guess now infamous trip to saudi arabia and back <laughs> yeah so i'm I'm, uh, I'm happy to get it back in one piece a lot of people were saying man why would you do that things gonna go across the ocean and blah 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 and the salt's gonna get to it and i said hey I am trusting that some of the three or four hundred thousand dollar cars that went there were were going to be a little probably a little better protected than my Charger, so I'm I'm confident it'll come. And it came back in great, great, you know, great, just like I just like it left. Cool, yeah, that was a unique experience. But yeah, Saturday is going to be a cool thing. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you guys are going to be a part of that. You know, outside of um, outside of messing around with that car and getting it ready to fire and run, what else has been occupying your guys' time? And I know everybody's kind of had the same answer in terms of we've had time to maybe do some things that we would normally not at this time of the year. But I guess specifically for your team, uh, what have you been able to accomplish that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise? As we're waiting for a schedule here. Well, the first thing we've done is just, are we ready to go out and, and, and compete? It's going to be a short season, short, no matter how you slice it. So are we ready to go out and do battle with the, with the DSR team, with the, with the John force teams? And so we really looked at the car and we really, we honed in on, on an area that we've, we've been lacking. And it's something that Eric's brought with him over to the, uh, over to the team and it's in the clutch management system so we've refined that i don't want to get into too many details sure. but it's something that some of the other teams have done and uh it's uh it's a it's a form of uh it's a form of uh uh how do i say this it's it's something that really contributes to the consistency of the car what run in and run out and race in and race out and it's something that was the it's something that I wish we would have done a while back, but we uh, we started the season uh, with our standard setup that we ran the last few years, and yep. we got the motor running good. We got the we made some good runs in Phoenix right before the end of the you know what was we did we at the time we didn't know it was going to be the end of our season our right. mini our mini season. So so we've been wanting to incorporate this this uh, new uh, system into our car, and so we we really went over that and went. And did a lot of tests, just uh, static tests. So we're we're anxious to get out on the track and 
get that. And really, beyond that, we I mean, there's only so much you can do. We were ready to run Gainesville, so we were yeah. not going to go in there and reinvent the wheel. We built the inventory up a little bit. Obviously, in the event we go, you know, a lot of races in a row, we we, we you know, I spent the money and, and built the built the inventory, pistons, rods, kind of the consumables, gotcha. uh, cylinder heads. And so then, obviously, what hit? What we had a we had a shut down for a little bit. But even in, even after we shut down, we got the guys in here two or three guys at a time to continue to, to do work. So we built our show car. We, I've been wanting to build a new state-of-the-art show car that we, we could take and display. And I had a 2012 version, but we wanted to update it with all the camshaft, all the stuff we run in our current car, and actually use it as a third car if we have to go out and, and really, wow, let's say okay. we, we put one in the sand or we have an issue. We, we wanted a third car that we can just go to. So we built a show car that we're calling it a show car, but it's a, it's a Murph McKinney chassis that I ran, uh, run a lot of for as uh, run some three eighties with it's like the car that actually did the, the, inf- the famous, or I shouldn't say infamous, the famous wheel stand. Oh my God. Vegas yeah. That thing. Holy smoke. Yes. Yeah. So we, re- <laughs> so that car is completely rebuilt and we're, uh, anodizing, making it, making it really nice and shiny and pretty. And, uh, so yeah, that, so we did that and, along with some, some shop improvements, just reorganizing, just things that we would do in the off season. So we kind of had a little mini off season, so to speak. Actually, it's not a mini; it's a huge off season. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we've been doing. Nice. No, that's interesting, and I think it's uh, it's always cool when you're able to like reassess some stuff and, like you said, uh, maybe take a slightly uh, slightly different approach to how you're actually going to go out there and mechanically race the race car. It, you yeah. know, it, you're one of the most experienced guys that are it's on the tour right now. You have you know, it's you're one of these guys that's kind of seen it all and done it all, multiple time champion and everything else. What do you think is going to be the deciding factor, you know, in this schedule that has not been released, but you don't have to be Albert Einstein to understand there's going to be a lot of back-to-back-to-back races here. What's going to be the key to succeeding there? Because I don't necessarily think I don't necessarily think it's going to be the, the full-on guys that can throw the hammer down every run that are going to win a championship this year. I, right. mean, I feel like the guys that can survive this thing, what is it going to take to survive this successfully, I guess is my question. As Denzel Washington said on the movie Heat, boom. Actually, wasn't, it wasn't heat. It was training day. Sorry, I got my movies mixed up. You, you just nailed it. I think it's going to be, I think you're going to see some underdog cars come in there. Maybe Dell with uh, Alexis's car. People that in the past have done well at uh, hot tracks. I think we're going to get into it. We're going to start right in the middle of the summer. I think yeah. it's going to be a lot of tricky tracks. I think the guys, the teams that can race, and race smart. I mean, I know it sounds boring, but the guys are going to lay that. I say, hey, you want to bring the hammer? Go ahead. Have at it. Two qualifying runs in the summertime. Good luck with that. So I think the teams <laughs> that really, I think the teams that really uh, have the confidence to, to race and race smart and pull it back a little bit, I think our team's going to be there. But I think got teams like Dell's and, you know, obviously one or two of JFR or uh, one or two of DSR cars. Uh, you know, I think those five disc. I was telling, uh, I was, I think I was talking to Don the other day, and I was, I was needling Don a little bit because I know he's given his his funny car teams not a hard time, but it's like, hey, you know, you got to put the six disc in. I know I talked to Tobler and those guys, and so, but his five disc car. If you think about it, his five disc cars have really done well lately. The, yes, they have. The, 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 the Tommy Johnson car and and, and Caps's car. So, so anyway, I think those, uh, you know, so I think those cars. Wilkerson will probably be a guy that that's really been good in the past on the. So I think I think it's really going to be competitive. I think you'll see. I don't think you'll see any of the bigger teams. I think you'll see just a, a good, a good racing guys pulling it back a little bit and just really trying to go down the track. That's really going to be the key. Yeah, and and I think in some sense, 
the 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 big humongous teams their own weight might work against them a little bit in this scenario where you know you guys guys that are single car operations or guys that have affiliations or whatnot i think naturally you guys are a little bit more in tune with understanding that there's only so much ammunition that you can use and you need to be smart of how you spend it versus when you have five cars when you have x amount of cars on the racetrack if a couple of those cars have a bad weekend at the same time in terms of breaking things we're going to get into a situation where the well is going to run dry pretty quick no matter who you are i think yeah I th- you know i think the, yeah I, I, I think the teams kind of operate as individuals if I, the more i got to know uh and learn a little bit more about the inner workings thanks to eric eric's you know been tremendous in, in coming on board with us but he's also brought a little more inside that i thought i knew he brought stuff that I didn't. Th- he, I thought I knew. Oh yeah, I know what these guys do. But he was in the. If you think about, it, he was in the trenches with Jimmy for many years with the with with the JFR team and uh, Jimmy Proc, and he's been there with uh, you know for many years with uh, with Caps's team. So he really brought some some things that that, that I didn't realize that the, the teams maybe operate a little more uh, separate than I thought they did. Um, but at the same time, I think going back to what we're going to deal with, I think the other thing too is is the the back to back back races is going to be inventory and and the cars that you know the there's cars out there let's face it uh brian you know that there's cars that are hard on parts there's cars that are not so hard on parts so i think the cars that are not as hard on parts on equipment you know pistons and all that stuff are going to probably have an advantage because you're not going to have to you're not some of these races you're not going to have you're not going to be able to go back to the shop to reload and get all your parts so i think you're going to have to be really so i think you're going to have to change your strategy a little bit in doing so Maybe you get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You, uh, you, you. That's why I think the mix. I, I don't think you're going to have the predictable guys running the same as you you saw in Pal. I think you're going to have guys with different approach, and uh, and that's what I like. I think the fans are going to love it because it, you're not going to know what to expect. Yeah, I think that's right. And in my mind, you know, just in the sense of just being you know normal human beings, I feel like. One, because there's no countdown, and that which means you have a in my at least in my perception a little bit more added pressure on each individual round that happens from the beginning on out. And two, because we're going to see so much of each other in a concentrated period of time, you can't tell me that there's not going to be some some tempers flaring up at some point during the middle of this whole craziness <laughs> or by the end of it. I feel like there's going to be some. I feel like there's going to be some fireworks at some point. Yeah, think about this. You know, we, we get these four runs to qualify. And if you lose that first run, let's say you go, and we've done it a lot of times. So let's say you go out there, it's Q1, man, you miss it. And then you miss fire because you're trying to go fast on the Friday night. But, well, now the pressure's on because now you're not in the field and there's two runs left. That puts a lot of pressure back on the drivers, the teams, the crew chiefs especially. So think about this. We know going into the deal, we don't have four, uh, yeah, four runs. We have two runs. So now the guys that, let's say the guys that go out there and try to run hard early, they're going to have to change their, they're not going to have the, oh yeah, let's go out there and let's go down the track strategy and then let's put a number on the board and then let's get after it and really show them what we have for Friday night. It's that is all out the window. It's two runs, two runs only, don't care who you are. And then you have to go right into race day. So I think, like I said before, I think the strategy is going to be interesting and I think the t- I think you're right. I think the pressure is. I think it's going to be actually. To be honest with you, I think you know some good things have come of this. Obviously, that's it's not a a good thing we any of us wanted. It's been tragic in some families. I'm I'm glad we're at least my immediate family safe. But the, but you know there's something that's good's going to come out of it. And I hope it's good close competition. And I hope you have. Uh, you talk about no countdown. I hope there's a surprise winner, and I hope it's us. How yeah. about that? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I guess just one more question for you. In, in terms of, you know, 
again, being one of the veteran guys out here, there's a lot of drivers that have never raced in a non-countdown era style competition. So I guess for you, um, you know, you're going to reset yourself back to, to, to some of your glory days back in the day, running points and winning championships. And what is it, what does it change as someone who's done it successfully? What does it change in terms of let's take away the two qualifying runs, take away any of that. But in terms of your mentality, driving down the highway race to race or flying back and forth race to race, what does it mean to know that there is no needing to be in the top 10 at, by the last six races? What does that change for you mentally? Well, you just have to get on a roll because if you think about it, there's not a lot of races to either get yourself far behind yeah. or get yourself in any kind of a lead. You're going to have to, it's going to have to be, you know the teams that can score the more you know it's, it's going to be the same old story i don't think that's going to change a lot you're still going to, have to be consistent and get but it, you you're in it uh you're in it uh, no matter what i mean so i think really uh everybody's gonna we'll see how it plays out uh, brian it's kind of hard for me to, to I, I know that when we won the championship in a non-countdown era we just put together a we got on a little roll and the, and the team it's kind of like the playoffs or the nfl team Sure. You could be a wild card if you get on that roll at the right time. You're, you're going to be uh, unstoppable. So, I think that's what what I'm going to look for is is try to get on in a groove. And uh, I remember when we raced for that championship, we were just we really really raced. As Larry Miner uh, was pounded in our heads, race your own race, and we were doing that. We were racing our own race, and Force kept getting in our way, but that was ex- that was expected because <laughs> right. he was the, he was the you know he was the defending champion. So. So you know, I don't know if it'll it'll change this, the day to day strategy. I just think that uh, it's going to be important to uh, uh, you know. Uh, let me say this too: if they uh, there's going to be if we have more than sixteen cars, who knows? But it's going to be interesting. There's going to be some good high qual cars that are quality cars that may maybe not even qualify. Well, exactly. Two run format's going to probably be the most interesting thing of all because again, like I said, you're not going to have that. Hey, let's go down the track. Let's let's do our normal. Let's dazzle them, and then we'll pull it back for Saturday. And if we smoke the tires, hey, who cares? So uh, that's going to be interesting uh, in of itself because there are certain cars out there, and I won't mention any names, that that play well in that format. Oh, they stick their chest out. They look, but but when, you, when you've seen that, there are certain cars that they don't quite have that uh, – it, it's like when it's like when Rudolph the Red Nose Ranger. Remember when they removed the teeth out of the, the big uh, that big uh, snow monster? Yeah. Remember when he walked in, he yep. didn't have his teeth. Well, a little bit of runs and hot track is taking the teeth out of these some of these monster teams. So I'm going to really enjoy that, and I hope that uh, that consistency wins out, and not so much that you have all these runs. You can just as a playground. I think it's going to be brax tax. What what you go. What you going to do? I like Macho Man Randy Savage's. What, uh, no, no, that's not Macho Man. I mix up. That's Hulk Hogan. Remember when he said, "What you going to do?" Remember that? <laughs> yes, I like that. So, my message to those guys: What you going to do when it's 140 degree racetrack and it's one run left? What you going to do? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and you know to to just piggyback on that point the guys that just kind of stumble through those two runs and then have to come into first round and not really have anything under their belt for for a clean pass of the weekend is going to be another a whole nother scenario but yeah to your point what you said earlier in terms of like none of this is good you know none of this happening is good but right. in terms of in terms of the ability for maybe our sport to take a different approach and because we have to um 
it's going to it's going to provide people a lot of excitement that I don't even know that a lot of our fans are think we're capable of because there's going to be some stuff happening that you, me, or anybody else that's been around this for a little while has no idea. So yeah, I I, I couldn't have said it best. I think that's exactly right. It's the unknown, and you know, on uh, Snap on those. I went to a kickoff meeting earlier in uh, earlier in January this year, and every year they have a theme for the year, and uh, it wasn't this year; it was a year before. They had the theme was. Uh, let's get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone and see. You'd be amazed what you can do. So I think that's exactly what's going to happen here is people are going to get out of their comfort zone. And really, it's how, how do they respond to not being comfortable? Yes. And uh, and that's you know that's going to be uh, an interesting thing. You're going to see, hey, you're going to, like I said, I don't think you're going to see the same players. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, uh, that oh. you're going to have a full-on full on underdog, but I think you're going to have just some, some – uh, uh, you know Rob Wallen, right? He used to Absolutely. love saying, and I hated when he say when he said this, but he would say this, uh, hurting some feelings. So there's going to be some feelings hurt out there, and uh, but it's going to be good. You know who's going to benefit is the fans and yeah. the the TV. You got you and Tony doing your show, and I think it's going to be it's going to be not cookie cutter. It's going to be a who knows, and that's going to be exciting. Agree, man. And on that on that note, I will let you uh, let you get back to it at the shop. I look forward to seeing you guys fire up the California Charger this weekend as part of the National Day of Nitro. And I certainly look forward to seeing that snap on SRT Charger Hellcat back on the racetrack sooner rather than later. Cruz Pedragon, thanks so much for your time, man. Hey, thank you, Brian. You're the best, man. Thank you. Always love catching up with Cruz Pedragon. Like his brother, always has something to say, and I dig his perspective on this as the guy, one of the guys, you know, with a one-car team, if you will, with some alliances out there, but with a one-car team, he brings a unique perspective onto what his approach and what his outlook for this uh, revised, revamped 2020 season is going to look like for them. And, and I agree with his point that I do feel as though at least once or twice or maybe four or five times during this whole uh, action-packed, jam-packed potential schedule, we are going to see some surprises prize winners out there and frankly in the sport of drag racing there is nothing cooler or more fun than that another thing that's great about the sport of drag racing is the youth movement that's currently involved in in the sport not only just on the racetrack but also in the management and execution of events and series the next guest we're going to have on the podcast here is Tyler Crossno. Tyler's a guy who is highly accomplished in the sport of drag racing and he has not even turned 30 years old yet All right, so joining us for the first time on the NHRA Insider Podcast, you've likely heard his name. You've probably been to his racetrack. Tyler Crossnow, how you doing, man? Doing good, Brian. Thank you for having me. So I want to get people familiarized with who you are before we get into uh, my very intense line of questioning that I have lined up for you here. Um, <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about you. Currently, what are your jobs in the sport of drag racing so people understand kind of where you're coming from? Yeah, uh, currently – the, the job titles, uh, hats to hats to be worn currently, um, vice president of Virginia Motorsports Park, um, and then the series director for the Professional Drag Racers Association, better known as the PDRA series. Yeah, and you guys are uh, you guys are actually getting ready to run your first race of the season, uh, the, the first race you're able to run this season. You're down at Galat Motorsports Park in North Carolina, and I understand I just dragged you off the tractor, right? You're prepping the racetrack? Yep. Yeah, I've been been out getting the racetrack ready. It looks like we're gonna gonna have to fight Mother Nature a little bit. But what's new? First you fight COVID, now you fight Mother Nature. <laughs> right. I, I told I told my team earlier on a on a conference call. I said, look, guys, 
everybody talks about the big boxing matches and the Holyfield Tysons and all that stuff. I said, ours is like the, the 12 rounds of what's Mother Nature in the world going to throw at us next. <laughs> well, that's totally right. And, uh, you know, again, for people who don't know, how old are you? Uh, 27 years old. So 27 years old, and, and you've accomplished a lot in this sport, and you continue to accomplish a lot. And, and your history, you've had involvement in a bunch of different facilities. You've created events, the Outlaw Streetcar Reunion that has been successful. Um, you you administer events like the Shakedown, which happens at your racetrack in Virginia. So you really, in your racer as well, I mean, I've seen you race small tire cars. I've seen you race big tire cars. So, you know, you really have had... Uh, experience on basically every level and every angle of this sport. So I guess my first real question for you is this. Uh, how many years have you aged in the last two months? It, before or after the, the haircut? Right. That, that's the big question. <laughs> so we, we all joked around at the, at the shop because right before the whole shutdown, um, I was at a point where everybody wanted to go test. Sure. So I was every day private testing at VMP just I never had a chance to go get a haircut do anything for me I mean, it was just like you know what? but it was fine because who knew what was going to happen yeah uh, we all all we knew was that okay we may be closed for a couple weeks um let's all take advantage of this and and get the testing while we can yep well flash forward two months later i look like a homeless man walking into my house every night my, and my neighbors were looking out the window like who is this guy man yeah and, and you know to that point it's been it's been something that that everyone has experienced differently but for your perspective you got two fronts on this thing you got a racetrack that obviously thankfully you've been able to get reopened for private testing very recently and you have a racing series which has been delayed like every other racing series has been to get the season going so i want to talk to you first let's have your vice president of the racetrack hat on to start with um what has been uh, your experience the last couple of weeks when were you able to reopen for testing and kind of what's your what's your weekly availability for that now at vmp yeah um racetrack side we really like started out the whole deal and i'll be honest we completely messed it up we we went straight to the governor's office sent proposals took days drawing up professional looking deals and, and really did nice stuff and i was very proud of it to send it and, and have our name on it and we got the one line this is the answer we're not going to give you any explanation to it blah 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 so we just all kind of basically just took a step back and said, okay, how do we get this thing? How do we get people to talk to us? Yeah. Well, we know our County, well, we know our County level likes us. Let's start there. Well, as soon as we started in the County level, then the ball started rolling. And, and, and like we've learned on our side, like our County administrator's voice is much louder than a little racetrack that likes to go make noise on the weekend. Yeah, and I think, so, and this is an important thing for people to hear, I think, because, uh, you know, this is a successful strategy for you guys. So you end up getting, you get the attention of your, your county administrator and, and things start to kind of at least make progress at that point? Yep, and, and that was kind of the, the, the ball started rolling. Um, and like most people know, we, we were one of the tracks that lost our national event. Yeah. Um, we, we've lost a number of events that were that were very kind of, backbone events so to speak sure um we have a couple of obstacle course races that we never touch um they come in they build the track they run the race and they leave and they clean up and you never know they were there for 10 days and and to lose those kind of things you're like dang that was kind of a guaranteed paycheck um those deals have been tough to find the the county side 
jumps on our back and says, all right, let's go. Let's try to get you open. Well, then when we went forward with another proposal, the biggest thing was we went forward with a proposal that says, okay, while our state is in phase one, this is VMP's phase one. Gotcha. And instead of going to them and saying, hey, look, we won't open. We want 25% capacity and we want to go back to normal. We went back to them and said, look, we would like to have a set number of cars for testing. We'll limit the crew members. We'll space them out over 50, 60 feet apart. Um, drew all this up on an overhead map and, and all of that kind of thing. And we went in there like normal, like you would go in there and, and go go to sell a car. You're going to shoot high from the get-go. Absolutely. And say, all right, I'm, I'm going to take this number, and I'm going to be happy with it. But if they come back and tell me that it's 10 less than that, I can still make profitability on that. I can still pay the light bill and be fine. Well, they come back to us and went with our first option. Nice. So it's like, all right, cool. We actually did something right here for once. Seems like, you know, after after two months of getting knocked out in the first round, we actually made it to the second or third round this time <laughs> in the boxing match. <laughs> and, and that's kind of where we are now is we're in the – in our – we're in Virginia State's phase one, so we're in VMP's phase one um, of private testing. Our, our next phase, we've, we're in the process of drawing that up. And, and what we're going to propose, kind of just to give everybody kind of an idea, is we're going to go forward with non-spectator events. Gotcha. Um, still, so, still social distance the parking lot, social distance the staging lanes, um, all of that kind of stuff. But we're also going to request one event a month to have... 25% capacity for spectators where basically we can kind of say, all right, once a month you give us a, a leeway to run a medium sized spectator event. Nice. And, and hopefully, hopefully that kind of bridges the gap between no spectators and, and all, all the spectators. spectators. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing, man, because it's like every every track, every locality is looking at this thing a little bit differently. And, you know, I happened to be down in Florida last weekend, and it's just a, it's a totally different outlook there as it is from where you are in Virginia to where, you know, New England Dragway is in New Hampshire. It's just – and I, I feel like hearing kind of your path and hearing how you're able to make some progress I think is very helpful to other people that may – that may have been trying another unsuccessful method and they can listen to this and go, Hey, it worked for them. Maybe we can try this out here. Exactly. Right. And it's, I mean, it's crazy. Like you said, I'm at Galat this week for PDRA and their Galat's facility is two, two and a half hours from VMP and our rules are completely different. Yeah. Uh, it's, it blows my mind at, at how different each state is, but that's where, that's where a lot of the racers don't understand the, how come North Carolina can race? Why can't you? Or how come Maryland shut down, but y'all can test? And that's the, that's the confusion side for the racers. And I feel bad for them because if you don't follow this thing daily, you get lost completely. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an absolute fact, man. That is, that is the most concise way to say it, un, say it, unless you are like hour by hour trying to stay on top of this thing, it's going to make your head spin around. Oh, a hundred percent. So one of the things that impressed me so much during the time where there was no racing or activity at your racetrack, that doesn't mean nothing was happening. I mean, you guys and you specifically were going to work every day. I guess talk to me a little bit about things that you accomplished during um, the downtime, during the, the period where you had no customers coming through the gate. What kind of stuff did you guys work on there? Yeah, that was really a time where 
I felt like we could take take that time and get better. Um, whether it was you went out and bought a piece of equipment or whatever, it, it, and it wasn't really even that. We really spent minimal money um, within that two-month period. Um, I had – it was myself and two other employees that are on salary that, that were there every day. Uh, one was in the office, one was on the grounds, and then I had one hourly guy that I worked every day. Um, that was that was kind of it. We had four people. Um, during rainy days, we were all inside. During um, nice days, we were all outside, and we all worked as a team and did that. But when actually went in, ground the racetrack for the first hundred feet, uh, put some extra texture on the on the starting line, and the next day we scraped the entire racetrack as bare as we could get it. And a lot of people were kind of like, okay, what's the, what's the mindset in this? Um, why, are, why are you stripping the racetrack? Well, when a lot of people don't know, when the racetrack was poured in 2018, what, as soon as Tommy Franklin bought BMP, the racetrack was poured in February. They had 10 days to get it prepped, and they ran a, ran a four-day bracket race on it in 10 days. Wow. So – in my opinion, the concrete never really had a chance to just harden up and get completely firmed up and sit in the sunlight and, and all that. So we took it, stripped it down as bare as we could get it. And then I honestly feel like that two months of just sun hitting it, rain, all of that has made that racetrack better. Nice. Uh, ever since we've gone, ever since we've gone back to testing, really bad with the surface kind of not reacting well almost like it had impurities in the concrete or it was dirty or something like that. Okay. And ever since then, it rained like the this past week. I can give this experience. It rained for four days in a row. Most people know if it rains for four days at a racetrack, you have to start over. Absolutely. We went out, blew the racetrack off, let it dry for six hours or so in the sunlight, never put a scraper on it, and the next day went 430s on a drag radio with an X275 car. Yeah, there you go. Proofs in the pudding. And right it was there. like, wow. Um, I think that worked, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, and then, so, I mean, then you come off of the surface and we've been working on photo cell protection, uh, timing system glitches, anything like that. That's okay. How can you eliminate in the middle of a race, a trash trip? How do you eliminate this? And what we've done is luckily our, like, as I mentioned earlier, Tommy Franklin owns the place. He also owns an electric company. Um, I went to his shop. I saw a, a knockout box one day. And um, so after that, we took a knockout box, cut the back out of it. And then now that's all our external um, photo cell protection on the outside of the wall. Nice. Yeah, that's great. So now that, that eliminates glare. You don't have any kind of trash coming from the grandstands and through the holes and wraps around a photo cell. And, oh, now somebody's 440 dragster just went 390. Right. And they don't know how it happened. <laughs> And then we're, we also have the same issue of, at, at most racetracks, this is a normal thing, the, the wind blows every day there. It doesn't matter if it's 97 and sunny or 20 and snowing, the wind will be blowing at Virginia Motorsports Park. <laughs> so we've made kind of like a U-track deal on the inside of the walls with plexiglass sliders. And whenever we spray the racetrack with glue, We'll have a guy that goes down, closes all the doors. We spray the racetrack. He opens them back up, and you don't have glue overspray on the photo cells. Protects them during the week. 
and, and you don't have critters living in there or, or anything like that. So yeah, that's great. So man. really just trying to take things that you sit back and you go, okay, where do you, when you're running an event, what's the one thing that slows you down? Is it an equipment failure? Is it a photo cell tra- trash trip, whatever it was. And we took all those little things and tried to fix all the little things that in the long run look like a big picture. No, that's great, man. That's a very productive use of the time. That's uh, for 100% sure. Um, I really want to talk to you about PDRA now because um, this series, of course, near and dear to your heart. And you guys are at as, as we mentioned, this weekend to get the thing kicked off for 2020. So for people listening to the NHRA Insider Podcast that are unfamiliar with the PDRA, give us like the 15-second elevator pitch about what the PDRA is and what you guys are doing down there at Galat. Yep, yeah, the PDRA series, uh, based off of really the pro mindset of the world, um, we separate the power adders, pro nitrous run, the nitrous cars run pro nitrous, the boosted cars run pro boost. Along with that, we have Mountain Motor Pro Stock, uh, Outlaw 632, which is a really killer kind of a starter heads-up class that, that's bad to the bone and really gone really gone haywire. Um, also have a couple of our motorcycle class, top sportsman, top dragster fields that are huge, uh, junior dragsters, and we also run like a local uh, bracket bash class just for the local guys to come out and, and also run on the big stage. And then this year we're introducing a kind of a, a dear, near and dear class to my heart, as everybody that knows me knows I grew up on the small tire side of the world. Um, we're introducing a class called Pro Street and taking a couple of small tire classes, meshing them all into one with a rules package and trying to, to basically bring relatability of that looks like a 69 Camaro not the pro mod right that was right. up here 15 minutes ago that actually looks like a real car and it goes out and goes 390s um that that's really our kind of goal with that class and that that could be really cool for the fans in the sense yeah i think it's great and uh you know the series has continued to grow in popularity and you have i mean incredible names are competing at that uh, at that level um whether we're talking about you know john Monicavo, the champion last year in mountain motor pro stock one of the you know great legends of that style racing jim halsey the champion in the pro nitrous category last year uh the caruso family i mean you go down the list it is uh, a really really packed house as far as big names go and also i think one of the things um you know for fans of the lucas oil drag racing series that relates to top sportsman and top dragster um you guys run on the eighth mile and there's no et minimum right so you guys have a situation where you know in the nhra if you go quicker than five six flat we have you know major league problems and they drag you out by your ear but for you guys in the eighth mile i mean these things are ridiculously quick and what the what the competitors are doing as far as accuracy of dialing these three second top sports and the top dragster cars in is ridiculous oh it's insane and i tell people that all the time that's really the fun part of pdra for the sportsman side is that you can really go out turn them loose and have a good time and then we also separate the top 16 qualifiers into a class that we call elite top sportsman and an elite top dragster um that separates those two classes off. There's two championships. There's two purses. It's a completely different deal after qualifying's over. Um, the elite classes will have bump spots that are 401, 402 in both top sportsman, top dragster. And if you are not sawing the Christmas tree down and then down on the big end knowing how to drive the strike, you, you might as well just go on and pack it up. <laughs> and, and to think about doing that at, at 3.8 seconds on a dial-in and say, I'm going to go dial this thing in. It's going to go 382. I'm going to walp it three times and drag the brake all within four seconds. 
you're a bad hombre. I don't care who you are. Oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> an absolute fact. The stuff that the again, the way that the, the driving ability, and then you know, just the ability of of giving these racers a good enough racetrack where you can dial a car the three eighties or whatever, and actually hit the number and do it run after run is is a testament to you know the work that your team puts in to prepare the racetracks and operate the events. Um, you know, through all this stuff, none of it is positive, right? I guess we, we end up taking our positive lessons from things like this probably down the road. Um, a guy your age, to me, it's like, I, I, it sounds bizarre to say this, but this is like the best thing that could ever happen to your career because you've learned stuff um, at 27 years old in this business over the last couple of months that guys in their 50s have never learned and probably will not take as much away from it as you have. I mean, fair to say or not on that? Oh, 100% fair. I, I've said that since it began. Um, we kind of It's kind of funny. We made some changes in the offseason at VMP as far as personnel, and I kind of took a little bit stronger role in the business side just because that's something that I wanted to learn. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty stout in between the walls and, and running a race and prepping a racetrack, but I, I told Tommy over the winter, I was like, look, I want to learn the business side. I want to know, okay, we went out and did this. Was it worth doing? Do we need to change that before the next one, et cetera, et cetera. And when all this happened, I was like, really? The, the one year that I actually wanted to learn something, you're going to, like, cut my knees out from under me? Like, what's the deal here? <laughs> and But now looking back on it, I'm like, at this point, just in the two-month span of complete shutdown to now we're, we're about to start the PDRA series and then VMP's starting to open back, um, looking at the options of things that can change for the greater good of the sport is absolutely insane. We're like this week, we're going to debut a time slip program that's paperless and, and it all goes to your smartphone. If you lose your time slip that blows across and blows off the golf cart, all you gotta do is pull it up on your phone. Like it's, it's right there on your cell phone, um, right on the app. And, and that's just like, I think that's the tip of the iceberg to how this program can can take off there's uh myself and a couple of other racetracks are are all kind of on this little committee board thing that we've all been talking about and a couple of us have been on a on a trail on a on a new application that lets a racer go in build their garage so to speak they build their car in their garage they select the event that they want to go race at your given racetrack or series their tech card information automatically populates into that event. Your technical inspector takes a tablet and goes and takes it in. And when he takes it in, the tech card goes to the other tablet that's in race control. You never have to fill out a tech card anymore. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, there is there are so many things. There are so many things in in just the operation of our sport. Not even in the overriding. I mean, we could go down a million different paths with this, but just in the physical operation of the business of drag racing, there are so many elements of it that are. You know, from 1965, and there really has been no, there's been no need to look at these things critically for a long time. So nobody has, and yep. now there is a need. And here comes ideas like this. It's brilliant. Oh yeah, and, and that's what I said. I, I told somebody, I said, you know, this just, this is a time where you can sit back, go into survival mode, and, and just go, okay, I, I'm just gonna not cut the grass, but once every other week, I'll, I may have a farmer come and and bush hog this for me or or bail hay off of this or whatever, or you can take this and, and punch back and say, look, we can get better. And, and in the long run, and a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, what's that save us? All the ink, 
all the paper, no more paper tech cards. The waivers can go on on there. Your W-9s can go on there in a secure form. And it's like, at the end of the day, you may not just immediately see, oh, well, daggum, that saved me five grand that I didn't have to spend. But over the course of the year that you don't have to print 10,000, 20,000 tech cards, well, that adds up. Yeah. And then the, the time slip printer doesn't blow up because it's all on the app. Well, that's not 500 bucks. It has to go out the window and the paper and the ink cartilages and well and all the, almost, and, and it even just communicating with your races right if uh, in theory oh, if yeah. they're, if they're on this thing then then you as a racetrack or, or as an organization would have the ability to reach out to them instantaneously via their phones as opposed to you know an email blast i mean all these things are still effective but if you can go through that and they can get a push notification of whatever you know i mean it's not just in venue but you know when you're going to promote an upcoming event or you're going to pull your racers at the end of the season and ask what they want to see changed or things that can be done better no it's yeah man this is it i mean and that's a that's a particularly specific example of the conversations that people are having around the country right now in terms of you know how do we make this better and you know the 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 squeeze, the pressure of, you know, making sure that you don't completely and everybody's year is going to go in the tank financially. There's no way that you're going to say that, but you got to minimize the depth of the tank. Right. (laughs) So exactly right. You know, so this is all the stuff that that comes up. Yeah. I've said that this is a year where, and it, and it's completely, you ask me what my 2020 plan was on December 31st, 2019. And I think we, me and you had this conversation at SEMA and at PRI. I was coming out of the gate with a Louisville Slugger baseball bat, yeah. and all I was trying to do was hit home runs because I was a confident son of a gun. And the racetrack, the series, I really felt like we were in a good spot. Well, then, as soon as this happens, immediate 180, you go complete into Fletcher Cox defense mode, <laughs> and and you're like, hold up. Like, let's just eliminate all the the risks. And, and, and there's certain events that you know are risky. Maybe that event doesn't happen this year. Maybe it gets reeled back combined with another one. Um, that's really what I've been fighting at VMP now is there's a couple of events that I was going to put a lot of time in and, and thought, okay, this will build into something. Now I'm at the point of, do I even try that this year? Is yeah. that something that goes on the back burner and says, you know what, let's go run an ET race that's a, a pretty safe deal. Maybe you throw a little, little extra money in it and, and get a couple extra cars, and it makes that difference that you thought the the spectator based event would. But the that's my scare is you don't know how bad off people truly are. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at the end of the day, that's the paying customer. That customer comes in the door because they want to, but if they can't because they don't have any money, then then you're up up the creek as as bad as anybody is at that point. Yeah, you go, uh, you know, to, to continue the baseball analogy, you go from a guy who was, you know, trying to set the home run record to a guy who wants to hit for a pretty solid average and hit a bunch of doubles this year. You know, I mean, it's exactly. it's uh, it's a lot less sexy. You're right, and uh, the guys who go into the Hall of Fame with, uh, you know, with a with a without Hank Aaron numbers of home runs or without you know a, a Ted Williams batting average, they're still great baseball players that made the Hall of Fame, but you don't get that celebrity status. But in my mind, for what you're doing and, and approach wise this year certainly seems to one follow what the industry trend is and two certainly seems to be the smart play financially like you said you got to really you got to pick your spots and if you're going to make an, an event investment in 2020 you damn well better be sure that that event event investment is going to give you something back other than a couple of splashy headlines somewhere you know 
Yep, exactly. And that's where that's where I feel like a lot of people are kind of back and forth on. Um, a lot of the promoter individual promoters are still wanting to, to push forward with some of their stuff. Um, I've actually had conversations with one that, that comes to VMP a lot, and we're either not going to do one of his events or we're going to reel it back so far that you you eliminate all the risk out of it. Yeah. And even if you just do even if you just give the racers back what they what they wanted to do in a shootout or or a bracket race or something like that, even if you just give it back to them, they still got to go race. They're still going to have a good time and and you're going to give them a product that's worthwhile and safe on the racing surface. But maybe those $100 entry fee, 20 $20,000 to win purses don't pay off yeah. this year. You know, that, that's not really the year to go, all right, I'm going to roll the dice and take this chance <laughs> right. because it, it could pay off, but it also could rain. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, and then you get a whole other set of problems. But no, nah, man, I'm yeah, um, I'm really as th- I'm facing that right now. <laughs> yeah, as uh, as the weather at uh, at Galat is uh, a little on the iffy side, but you guys are going to battle, and I know that uh, yep. man. I know that your competitors are so hungry to so hungry to be down there. I've seen a ton of social media posts of racers that have uh, loaded up their gear and are headed your way. So they will bring the positive vibes, man, and hopefully that'll chase some of That's the clouds right. away. Hey, uh, Tyler, I really oh, hey. go ahead. As much as much hot air as in our pit area, I promise you it'll blow away. <laughs> Man, I, I appreciate your perspective on this stuff. Um, it's a it's a neat thing to be able to talk to a guy who is um, in the middle of it in both aspects. You know, we talk so often to racers who are doing what they need to do during the time off, or we talk to other people. But you know, I actually talk to a track operator and a guy who administers a series. It's uh, it's neat perspective. It's sobering to some level, but it's very honest and it's real. And I think our uh, listeners are going to really enjoy this because it's not a perspective really anybody else in the sport can give so man i appreciate you taking the time i know that you love sitting on your orange tractor so i'll let you go back to doing that and uh good luck good luck this weekend man thank you brother we appreciate it uh thanks to nhra for all the help that they've done uh all the stuff that they put together for all the member tracks and and all that if if you're not a part of the nhra you need to be um we're we're glad to be a part of the nhra family both on virginia motorsports park side and on the pdra series and also one last question where do we find pdra online to get more information for people listening to this that want to come out and see you guys race yeah uh pdra660.com that's the number 660 uh that's our website it's got all our schedule on there that we've updated due to all the the covid downtime and then um if you want to see what's going on at virginia motorsports park check us out racevmp.com thank you sir A genuinely good guy, Tyler Krosno, has a big, big future in the sport of drag racing. He continues to grow his, and I guess kind of develop his path each and every day with all the things that he's involved with and does. Impressive young guy. Remember, he's not even 30 years old yet, and he has done so much and will continue to do so much more in the coming years. That's the end of this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. As I make this show, there is potential huge news looming and good news looming for the 2020 NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series Tour. That means you need to stay on top of all of it by following NHRA.com, NHRA on Facebook, NHRA's YouTube page, and NHRA on Twitter and Instagram as well. That is where you're going to get breaking news, and I promise you, in the short term, there is breaking news. Thanks for listening to the NHRA Insider Podcast. We'll be back next week talking about the big stories of this week and talking to some of the biggest names in the sport of NHRA Championship Drag Racing. I'm Brian Loans. Thanks for listening.